It's been a big few days for music, and we have a few questions before we get to the rest of the show. Kendrick Lamar dropped his fifth album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, and the internet is still debating it, with some wondering if he's the greatest of all time, and others wondering if he fell off. I come from a generation of pain will murder his minor, rebellious and more jealous a chip you for designer. And over in Europe, the Eurovision Song Contest rapped in a Ukrainian folk rap group, who knew that was a thing, named Kalush Orchestra took home the big prize. But not before Russian hackers tried and failed to disrupt the voting process for the contest. And stateside over the weekend, some of the biggest names in music came together to see just how weird Cara Delevingne could get. The model and actress was in attendance at the Billboard Music Awards, and her erratic behavior got a lot of attention in a night full of attention-worthy things. Travis Scott performed at the awards show. It was his first televised performance since the Astroworld tragedy. And Doja Cat also had a big night. She won four awards, but three of them were in the R&B category. I really appreciate it. I really, really do. Um, it's an honor. I've always loved R&B. Growing up, it's what raised me. Um, I think that there's a lot of very talented R&B artists out there right now. You have Summer Walker. You have SZA. You have The Weeknd. You have, you know, everybody. And, and I think that... I think that everybody deserves this award. And a lot of fans are wondering why the pop star is in that category in the first place. The final question is one that comes in the wake of two announcements that should have been moments of celebration, but they were hijacked by racist trolls. Actor Nshuti Gatwa, who you may know from Sex Education, is taking the lead role in the next Doctor Who season. Gatwa is Rwandan Scottish, and he'll be the first Black man to play the lead. The series did have a Black woman doctor who appeared on just a few episodes. When it was announced that Gatois would be the next doctor, racist trolls took to the internet basically saying they're okay with time-traveling aliens, but time-traveling aliens being Black? No, that's too far. And a few days before that, the lead roles in the upcoming Disney Plus series Percy Jackson and the Olympians were announced. And one of the main characters, Annabeth Chase, will be portrayed by Leah Jeffries, a 12-year-old Black American actress. The series is based on books of the same name, and in those, the character is described as being blonde and presumably white. However, the series is a fantasy about mythological creatures and 21st century Greek gods. So, you know, it ain't history. But that didn't stop the haters from attacking the preteen and anyone who celebrated her online. Rick Royden, the author of the books, is involved in the Disney Plus series. He wrote a lengthy post and responded to trolls on Twitter, defending the casting decision. The trolls mounted a TikTok campaign and got Jeffries kicked off the platform for being cast in a role they believed should have went to a white actress. Welcome to Pop Culture. I'm Bridget Armstrong. Television and movies are becoming increasingly more diverse when it comes to race and identity. But what's the backlash to that when an actor of color plays a role fans think should have went to a white actor? And how are toxic fandoms detouring new fans from old work? I had personally told myself that there were certain topics I was tired of talking about and I didn't want to talk about them anymore. But then a double casting happened and I was like, okay, I have to talk about this again. 
I really want people to realize that we've had this conversation multiple times and it literally comes up every time. Brianna Lawrence is the fandom editor at Mary Sue. So she writes about fan communities and self-described geeky stuff. She's also an indie fantasy writer herself. So Percy Jackson is a series that my wife loves. And so I'm like, I'm interested because this is like a fantasy series that I missed out on when I was growing up reading books. They announced the actor for Percy. Everybody loved the pick. And then they announced the two actors for the other two main characters. One is Annabeth, and everybody freaked out about Annabeth. Annabeth is portrayed by a young Black girl named Leah Jeffries. And I am very used to when casting decisions are made that have people of color, especially like Black actors and actresses, that one of two things would happen, and they both usually happen at the same time. You get everybody who's like, oh my God, yes, more Black roles. I'm so happy. And then you get the detractors, the, the racist comments and like being upset about who got picked for the role and they get called like diversity hires or this is a woke casting. What was interesting with Percy Jackson is that they cast the actress and I believe she's only 12 years old and already like her TikTok has been banned because racists just came together to harass a child on the internet. Racist trolls on TikTok reported her account for fake violations, and they eventually got her kicked off. Apparently, my TikTok has been banned. So I guess all the people that wanted to, like, you know, all the people that kind of did not want me to be Annabeth or something, they literally took down my whole account. Usually when that happens, I feel like... They're kind of on their own. They don't know what to do because no one else is really sticking up for them. But Rick Riordan himself came out. Who's the director, right? Well, he's the creator of Percy Jackson. So it's his series. Like, he's the writer. He's the author of the series. And he's helping out with the Disney Plus series. So he's making the decisions. So he basically came out and he was like, I approved of this casting. This was my decision. If you have an issue with it, you need to take it up with me and leave this young Black girl alone. I already said a year ago when I was working on this series that we're picking the best person for the job and this is the best person. This is my Annabeth. This is who I want. So if you have an issue, you need to take it up with me. When people usually have issues with castings, they go after like the actors or the actresses or the studio or whatever. And they assume that like the creator had nothing to do with this. The creator didn't approve of this. And he's like, actually, I approved of it 100%. Like, it's, it was me and this is what I want. And I thought like, wow, he actually said something. But even if he said something, if you are like a person of color, especially like a Black person on the internet who's like, hey, he said it. I'm just telling you what he said you end up getting attacked yourself. I don't know why you're mad at us for repeating what this white author decided to do with his work. Like, this is his story. He wrote these books. This is up to him. And so I don't know why you're mad at Black people for what this white man has decided to do with his creation. And around the same time the announcement was made about Percy Jackson, there's also another announcement made. Actor Inshuti Gatwa, he's known from Sex Education. He plays the character on that show. He's going to be playing the lead on the next season of Doctor Who. And people had a similar reaction. Yes. So 
I want to say a couple days later, they announced the Doctor Who casting, and he is the next Doctor. I'm not super into Doctor Who, but I have a lot of friends who love it. And the first post I saw on Twitter was from a Black friend who turned off their comments just to like be like, I'm so happy that he got the part, turned off their comments because they already knew that people were going to come in and have a problem with it. This is a character, from my understanding, who can basically look however they want to look. So they can take any form. So they can be a Black person. It's like, why are you angry about a thing where the character canonically can take on any form? Why is the fact that they're taking on a Black form your issue? They've had different actors for the Doctor since the Doctor started. The original series of Doctor Who premiered in 1963. At the time, the Doctor was played by a white British actor named William Hartnell. I'd wanted two samples and I should be able to make an estimate. The rock pieces and a few plants. Just a minute. You say we've gone back in time. Yes, quite so. So that when we go out of that door, we won't be in a junkyard in London, in England, in the year 1963. That is quite correct. When Hartnell needed to leave the show, the writers came up with the idea of regeneration. Instead of dying, the Doctor regenerates as a different person. And for the most part, the Doctor has always come back as a white man. But in 2017, the series introduced the first woman Doctor. Who are you? Yes, I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Jodie Whittaker plays the role. And when her casting was announced, she got a similar reaction to what we're seeing now. Some fans welcomed the long overdue change. But there was a vocal group of haters who didn't believe the doctor could be a woman. Now fast forward to 2022, and many of those same haters don't want to see a Black doctor. It was just this major hit of takes from people who were really angry about it. And there's there's positive responses, too. There's a lot of positive responses, which is great. but since we had two properties that are highly anticipated announce two Black actors, there is also like this wave of, you know, racism that was happening, not just toward the actors, but toward anybody who supported the actors. And it's just, it's exhausting and it's ridiculous at this point. The thing is, racist outrage about fictional characters isn't new. And whenever these arguments come up, the people who are against the casting point to the canon or the source material. When Disney announced that singer Halle Bailey would take on the role of Ariel in a live production of The Little Mermaid, there was a huge backlash. And most of the criticism focused on how Bailey looks. She's Black American, and a lot of the trolls said she couldn't be Ariel because she didn't look like Ariel. Their source? The animated Disney movie. There was a similar reaction when John Boyega and Kelly Marie Tran were added to the cast of Star Wars. Tran is Asian-American, and she played Rose Tico in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Boyega is Black British, and he played Finn, a stormtrooper-turned-resistance fighter in two of the movies. Boyega is the first Black actor to play a stormtrooper in the franchise. Fans harassed both of them on social media and threatened to boycott the movies altogether. The harassment was so bad that Tran deleted her account. Here's John Boyega talking about the backlash with radio host Sway. There were a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, racists who 
you know, back the movie got a lot of backlash because mm. you would have starred a movie and mm. the f we got a black guy in there. Like, I, no. did you hear? It? Did did they react like that in the UK at all? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. It was. It, it, to be honest, it was identified as a stateside thing. Okay. But to be honest, it, it, it could be a worldwide thing. Yeah. Uh, but for me, honestly, what has Star Wars done? More than fifty million in pre-sale tickets. Where the race is at, man? Because yeah. those guys booked their tickets for the movie. Yeah. Regardless. And regardless. Regardless. Right? Yeah. And and that's something that I, I like to fixate on. Yeah. Is, is the is the the true Star Wars fans who are just ready mm -hmm. to see to see a good movie, despite you know my gorgeous chocolate skin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gorgeous. Yes. Yes. You probably won't see Boyega in any Disney Plus shows anytime soon. He called Disney out for not protecting him and other actors of color who joined the franchise. Despite having black and brown characters from the beginning, there was a huge backlash when Star Trek Discovery cast two women of color in leading roles. So Nikwa Martin-Green is Black, and Michelle Yeoh is Malaysian. They star as a commander and captain on the latest iteration of Star Trek. We come in peace. That's why we're here. Isn't that the whole idea of Starfleet? Hey, I taught you that. You don't trust me, Captain. I trust you with my life, Commander Burnham, but it doesn't change the fact that you're lost. Very lost. And when it was announced that they would play the roles, the racist peanut gallery took issue with having two women of color in leading, not supporting roles, as is the case with many of the other Star Trek series. People were mad when Michael B. Jordan was cast in the Fantastic Four movie because he's Black. Fans threatened to boycott the Thor franchise when Idris Elba joined the cast as Hemdall. Anytime anyone even mentions the idea of having someone non-white take on the role of James Bond, all hell breaks loose. And remember when the trolls were mad because Amanda Steinberg played Rue in the Hunger Games movies, even though Rue is black in the books? This list could go on and on. But the point is, none of the worlds these characters come from are real. They're not even based on reality. Mermaids don't exist, and we don't live in an intergalactic, interplanetary system with civilized aliens. Superheroes are not real. And at least for now, we don't send kids to battle to the death for food and resources. So if audiences can suspend their sense of reality to immerse themselves in these premises, why do some draw the line at seeing black and brown characters on screen? It's interesting, too, because it's like these are fictional works and their books. It's up to your imagination. Like, yes, there's descriptions, but also it's up to how you, the reader, envisions a thing. And so I think people envision white and so they're thrown off when a casting happens and it's not white and they don't know what to do and it's like but they still the character still holds all the characteristics that you loved in the book they just so happen to have a different skin color and it's interesting because with percy jackson people are citing the source materials like this is a character who was described with like blonde hair the person who made the source material is like this is how i see annabeth so it's like, if your argument is the source material, then shouldn't you be agreeing with the creator of the source material who's telling you that this is what they wanted? And especially with like fictional stories, like Little Mermaid is a tale that's been told and retold and retold so many times. So it's like, why is this retelling what a Black girl, the one that you're upset about? Like, Little Mermaid didn't start at Disney, but that's the image I know people have. That's the image I grew up with. 
since this is like an old fairy tale that's been told like multiple times, why can't we have a version that's got a black mermaid? Especially because mermaids don't exist. And the justification is never the characteristics of the character. It's always how they look. So it's never like, well, Ariel is just like a beautiful soul or like strong determined or whatever. It's always like, well, she has red hair. So she can't be black. And it's like, but if that's your only thing stopping you, the actress can get red hair. Like it's and like some black people do naturally have red naturally hair. have red hair. And it's like if your if your stopping point is like this is gonna ruin the character, this isn't taking away any cultural relevance or anything like that. It's literally a hair color. The same thing happened with Percy Jackson because we're like, oh no, Annabeth's blonde. And we're like, okay, they've made Percy Jackson as a movie before. When they made the movie last time, Annabeth didn't have blonde hair in that movie. So why are you suddenly like, no, the blonde hair, think of the blonde hair. <laughs> it's like, like really this, it, it's so distressing because it's like, you're not giving me actual reasons besides the fact that I don't want a Black person in this role. How do you think sort of retelling some of these classics, some of these stories that we've seen before, how do you think these productions benefit retelling these stories with Black actors or Brown actors? I think it, gives opportunity for more people to get into the stories and see themselves in the stories because earlier I, I said I was like I only seen a little bit of Doctor Who. I haven't actually sat down and watched a lot of it. But I saw the casting and I was like, okay, I want to see a black doctor. Like I want to see someone who looks like me take on this like role that the geek community loves so much. And even like with Percy Jackson, I'm like oh my gosh, it's like a 12-year-old Black girl who gets to be in the fantasy story because growing up, a lot of my fantasy stories didn't have little 12-year-old Black girls in them. They had like white kids. And the funny thing is that even if I didn't see myself, I was like, okay, but it's a fantasy story. I like fantasy. I can still get on board with this because I like the genre and I like the story. And I always feel like Black people are able to like see themselves in other things because we don't have a lot of options. Like, we can see these things and we're not like, oh, I can't relate to the character because they're not Black. But for some reason, but, like, white people, they're like, oh, I can't relate to the character because they're Black. And it's like, but I've been relating to non-Black characters almost my entire life because I'm like, I can see your personality. I can see what you do. I can see your story and relate to it somehow. And so now I'm like, I can finally see an actual like young black girl have an adventure, which I've like, I love stuff like never ending story and things like that. But I'm like, it's never black kids, never was black kids, but I took what I could get. And I'm like, now maybe this generation doesn't have to just take what they can get and they can just be on the screen. And I think I always get so frustrated because I'm like, why is this always seen as a negative to like racist? Like, why is this a bad thing to you to have more people invested in the genre that you like so much. It's like the casting of Leah Jeffries is just going to make more little 12-year-old Black girls interested in Percy Jackson adventure stories because they get to see themselves have adventures, which means you would have an even bigger fandom and more people to like talk about with this fandom. But instead, they choose to like get on Twitter and harass a child. They're so upset about a casting and... I'm like, you're missing out on the opportunity of making this an even bigger thing that includes more people, like, and it's going to tell, like, an amazing story. And 
or you don't even know what kind of story it's going to tell because you're not even willing to give it a chance. There is another side of this. Black and brown actors aren't the only people who are cast in roles that are canonically a different race. There's a long tradition of white actors playing characters who are not white. We've talked about that on previous episodes when we've discussed black and yellow face portrayals. But this still goes on today. Remember Scarlett Johansson and Ghost in the Shell? Johansson, who is very white, was cast to play a character who is canonically Japanese in a movie that takes place in Japan. There was some backlash with people saying the decision was erasing the culture. But her fans and even the producers justified the casting by saying she was the best for the role. It's something I noticed because sometimes it's either the character is a person of color and the source material, be it fictional or in some cases, even real historical things. And was like, oh, well, that's supposed to be a black person, supposed to be a brown person, that's supposed to be an Asian person. And we get told, oh, they probably picked the best, best person for the job. You know, anybody can do this role. Anybody can be in Ghost in the Shell. It doesn't have to be an Asian person. And I'm like, cool. So if you truly believe that, when they cast black actors, you should be fine with it. Clearly, Leah Jeffries was the best person. Clearly, this was the best doctor for this generation. Which is interesting because Doctor Who is an ongoing franchise, so the next Doctor will look different too. My thought was like, if you've been telling me for years that white people get these parts because they're the best for a job, then that should apply to like marginalized people, right? But it never does. And that's what I was thinking about when I saw these double castings because they were both situations where both of the people doing the casting actually straight up said, we picked the best person for the job. Like, they were like, yeah, that's who I did. And it's like, well, they just said it. They just told you. And so why do you have a problem? Picking the so-called best person for a role without considering identity characteristics like race is sometimes referred to as colorblind casting or non-traditional casting. It's a practice that theater's been doing for a long time, and it's not new for TV and movies either. When Eartha Kitt got the role of Catwoman in the 1960s Batman television series, that was non-traditional casting. Ridiculous. It's Catwoman! I said ridiculous, nonsense, foolish prattle. How can Batgirl be the best anything when Catwoman is around? (laughs) No best-dressed list is complete without the addition of the Queen of Criminals, the Princess of Plunder, yours untruly. Remember the 1997 Cinderella TV movie with Brandy and Whitney Houston? Cinderella, my wrap. Cinderella, my hat. Cinderella, my gloves. Mm -hmm. Cinderella, have you dusted the rafters? Not yet, stepmother. I've had a busy day. Also, non-traditional casting. Whoopi Goldberg played the queen, and she was married to the king, played by Victor Gerber. And the prince, their son, was portrayed by Paolo Montalban, an actor of Filipino descent. Even recently, Denzel Washington was nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of Macbeth, and that was colorblind or non-traditional casting as well. So non-traditional casting decisions can be beneficial and a good thing, but critics point to the Scarlett Johansson casting decision as an example of what can go wrong with the practice. There are already fewer roles for actors of color, and when a white actor gets a role that wasn't initially white, it can feel like erasure. 
There's another practice called color conscious casting in which the actor's race, ethnicity, and identity are specifically considered in casting decisions. And it's usually done to tell a more representative or equitable story, acknowledging that actors of color are often given fewer opportunities. Colorblind and color conscious casting aren't the only ways to cast, and there are plenty of roles where the actor's race is germane to the part. But colorblind and color conscious casting are popping up more and more like in Shondaland. Shonda Rhimes has used non-traditional casting on several of her TV shows. Maybe the most famous is Grey's Anatomy. When Rhimes wrote that show, she didn't give any of the characters a race or ethnicity, so each role was open for anyone to play. The result? A really diverse show that features actors of color playing doctors, and even a black doctor as the chief of surgery. Rhimes has also used this type of casting on a few other productions, and most recently on Netflix's Bridgerton. Viscount Bridgerton is wealthy, well-connected, and from one of the town's most illustrious families. Apparently hoping to marry this season, he may very well be our most eligible bachelor. Bridgerton is set in Regency, England, so around the turn of the 19th century. It's a steamy romance drama based on books of the same name. It follows families and love affairs in high society, and several of the main characters who are members of that high society are people of color. Although the show is racially diverse, it almost never addresses race. And it's set in a time where it would be difficult or next to impossible for a person of color to integrate into high society. The interesting thing to me about Bridgerton is that it gets criticism from both sides of this argument. Some people feel like adding black and brown characters to this time period without really addressing race feels empty and like tokenism. They also say it glosses over a very painful and racist time and makes the members of this society look more tolerable than they actually were. On the other hand, there are the critics who say casting actors of color in period pieces is wrong because it's ahistorical. Like Bridgerton, or even the upcoming Jane Austen adaptation of Persuasion that'll star Malaysian-British actor Henry Golding. But that historical accuracy argument doesn't really hold up for Brianna. What kind of like frustrates me is people who pretend like Black people didn't exist in history. Like you'll watch something that's like historically accurate and there's like no Black people. You're like, where are the Black people? And it's like, oh, they, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been there. We've existed for a very long time. So I'm not sure why you would assume that we wouldn't be in these spaces like at all. It's weird because I feel like even in historically accurate things, white people take liberties all the time to give themselves like the fantasy that they want. So it's like, why can't Black people do the same thing? Bridgerton's not a true story. It's just taking place in a historical setting. Bridgerton does mostly feature made-up characters. But there is a character, Queen Charlotte, who's based on the real Queen Charlotte. And it turns out that she might have actually been of Black descent in real life. So Bridgerton is a romance drama set in history. But what about fantasy shows with historical elements? So like with Game of Thrones and things like that. And it's like white people get to give themselves these like epic fantasies that are based on historical information, but still fantasy because, you know, we don't have dragons and things like that. So it's like if you get to do that with history, why can't we do that with history too? Why can't we like have like this one moment where like, we're like, yeah, we are in high society. You know, like we are like wealthy and like thriving because we don't want to tackle the other history that you guys keep showing us over and over again. But I also feel like as more history gets uncovered, we're finding out that like, hey, actually, maybe Black people were there. 
And it's not like we have a lot of stories that do that anyway. But every time we do at least one, people are like, it's not historically accurate. And it's like, does it need to be? Like, does it need to be historically accurate? What if I want to like play pretend for two seconds and not be in servitude and have like a beautiful ball gown and go to like the dance or whatever? And I always think about that when I see medieval fantasy and things like that. And people are like, well, the Black people wouldn't have been here. They would have been servants. Like, yeah, but would white people be having dragons? <laughs> like, would, would, that, would all that stuff be there for you guys? I don't think so. So why can't I have a dragon? Like, I want a dragon. You write about fandoms. And I think a big part of this, all of the backlash to some of these shows that we're talking about when they cast Black and Brown actors, is because fandoms are becoming increasingly toxic. I'm wondering why you think that is? Why are we seeing this? And then two, how is that sort of affecting the work's ability to draw new fans? Because I think that I'm like, ugh, I see this Percy Jackson thing and I see how the fans are. And I'm like, I don't want to be associated with these people, you know? So like back in the day, like I used to be like, you shouldn't let a fandom affect your enjoyment of a show. I used to say that, but fans have become really entitled and i think they need to realize that like that entitlement pushes away entire communities who could also partake in this thing that you like it's hard because it's like it also detracts other creators who want to like put us in these stories i'll see things that are like oh the the creator was okay with the miscasting by doing a white person instead of a black person it's like you know why because i didn't want to deal with the fandom or like there's lots of creators who hesitate like oh i don't know if i want to let a black person on the cover because what if people have backlash i did that like with my book series and as i was writing it i was like should i have a white person in this group somewhere so people don't freak out Eventually, I talked myself out of it, obviously. But those are thoughts that go through people's heads, like creators' heads when they're like people of color, because you're like, I know what you're going to say if I do this. And you're going to say that I'm being too woke. You're going to say I'm doing it as a diversity thing. But it's like, I'm just trying to put myself on the page because I am a part of this world. And there are a lot of people of color in this world who should be represented. And I think at one point I said, like, if you actually want to represent the world, accurately there should be way more the first works out there because there's so many of us and all these fandom people if you keep like bemoaning percy jackson doctor who star wars and stuff it's like yes it's going to affect the actors but it's going to affect people who are closer to you because they can see how you're acting and i feel like they think they're protecting the work somehow like they feel like they own the work because you know they bought the books they've read the books they love the books they grew up with the books and they're like it's mine so i get to decide like how it's portrayed and then they forget that like it's not actually yours it belongs to our creator who gets to make the decision i know fiction is very impactful and powerful because i write it myself i wish i knew why it reached a point where they decided to get so toxic to try and i don't know protect their vision of what they envisioned the story to look like and also the creator has straight up said you're basically doing the exact opposite of what my books were supposed to teach you. He's like, this is the exact opposite of what Percy Jackson means. And when I wrote my article and I would look at the comments and stuff and people would be like, people say Star Trek's too woke, but Star Trek has always been woke. So it's like, you missed the message. You're missing the message of this fiction that you're trying to protect. It's always been about like, including people who are different than you. And I think it's frustrating with fandom because fandom's like my happy place. <laughs> and I'm like, fandom's where I go to get away from the rest of the world. And then you're breaking the toxic stuff I'm trying to get away from into fandom. And I'm just like, 
it's just fandom, guys. It's just like it's just like a story you can read or not read or watch or not watch, and you can just leave it at that. I've heard you bring up this the term, and it's a term that people try to use when these situations happen: diversity hire, right? <laughs> yeah. And for me, you know, I think there are instances where we can see racial or any type of diversity added to cast where it doesn't move the needle because the character's identity is not brought into the role and it seems like it's there to like check a box. But then there's another type of casting where, and I think of like a show like The Wonder Years, where this isn't a casting thing, but the reboot of the show features a Black family living in in the late 60s. And because they're a Black family, we're seeing a different perspective on that same time period because of the civil rights movement, because of all of the unique things that were in the Black experience. And so I guess I'm, I'm wondering, like, sometimes to me, diversity hire ain't a bad thing. Like, if you really did do it because it's like, I think that we should tell this story in a way that reflects the racial diversity of this country. And so I want to, for that reason, hire people that reflect that. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I wonder how you feel about that and how it sort of got turned into this negative thing. Like, isn't diversity supposed to be good? I watched The Wonder Years and I'm watching it. And I think that's a good example of like, this is what happens when you actually cast like a Black story and have like, you know, the characters and stuff portray like our culture. Because I do remember watching the first couple episodes and it does touch on the civil rights movement, but it does it in a way like I didn't expect. Because like in the second episode, they're talking about the death of MLK and like the kid is like all of my white teachers are so sympathetic toward me that I can get away without doing homework it's not like you to get a C do you have an explanation maybe it was unfair of me to expect you to study this must be such a difficult time for your people let's just go ahead and make this one an A wait what's this now You mean, because of Dr. King? You must feel so lost. And I'm like, you would never get a story like this if it wasn't like a Black family. And I'm like, this is really fascinating and interesting to me because when George Floyd happened, that was my life for a while. I was like, oh, are you okay? Are you, do you need anything? This awful thing happened. And like, you will never get that type of storytelling unless if you have our voices in it. It's also like the fact that they're telling that story doesn't take away the fact that we already have the original. Like we are, I think maybe that's kind of what people like racist kind of think will happen if we're like, let's add in more diversity. I think we're gonna take away their narrative. And it's like, your story's still there. We're just also telling our story. They can run side by side, you know, like it's like we have the original Wonder Years that has gone nowhere. But now we have a Wonder Years that's got like a Black setting in like the same time period. You still have the original characters and the original story, but now you have a new one. And it's like, that's what adding diversity will do. But I really do think that people assume that when we say we want more representation, that we're just gonna like wipe away all the white people. Like we don't want any white people anymore. Just get rid of all of them. And it's like, no, we just want space for our story too. And there is so much space. There's so much available space. There's plenty of room to like 
also tell like a black story or a queer story or a story with a disabled character. And adding those characteristics changes the narrative in ways that you wouldn't get with a white story. And I think that's really awesome. Like people have taken words like diversity and woke and they just made it into like a, a weaponized attack. Like you're just trying to be woke now. And it's like, uh, no. But also some of the shows that are doing this have always had like some form of diversity in them. Like people talk about that with like the MCU and stuff and what's going on there. Like I saw someone post about, oh, they're just adding a lot more women and people of color in the MCU. And I'm like, yeah, they're in the comics. <laughs> like they exist already. I remember someone was talking about like, you know, people want more queer representation and like Marvel's like, yeah, there's an entire Avengers team that's mostly gay. This exists already. They're just putting it on the screen. It, it's been here the whole time and it's not new. And it's frustrating that you think that like my existence is a new fad because it's not. It's like, we've been here the whole time. We've been writing these stories. And I think you're right. Like adding more diversity should be a good thing because all it's going to do is make more people interested in this thing, which gives the thing longevity so it can keep going. I don't know why people are so against new fans of things. Like I want new fans for the things I like so I can keep getting stuff from the thing I like. Like, yay, more viewers? Good, then maybe you'll keep telling the story that I like. That's it for us today. I'm Bridget Armstrong, host and senior producer of the show. I work with an amazingly hardworking team to get it all done. Alicia Keys, the show's producer. Andrew Calloway is our senior engineer. He had help from Ellie McAfee-Hahn this week. Graylin Brashear is our senior director of audio. Big thanks to Brianna Lawrence for talking to us. We'll have a link to her writing in the show notes. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. And in the meantime, be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend. <laughs>